Hey, everybody, and welcome to Roger and Me, a.k.a. Roger Ebert and Me, a movie review podcast that acts as a tribute to the Siskel and Ebert movie review show from many, many moons ago. We're aiming to keep that spirit alive by reviewing every new movie every Friday. Um, every with a big asterisk, because we're in the dog days of August, and they're just throwing stuff out there. Mark is catching all of it. Mark Dusick, my co-host of MarkReviewsMovies.com. He reviews damn near everything that's fit to print. He's got... What's the number today for you? Do you know offhand? It's another 14. <laughs> it's a 14... It's a 14-er week after another 14-er so, week. Yeah, and it was very close to 15, except a certain movie decided uh, not to give us a screener for yes. their wide release, basically. And so, I like to think that I was... Uh, part of the influence of Mark not going to see it in a theater last night. I know that sounds wrong and bad to discourage theatrical movie going, but I feel like you put in the work with your 14. Yeah. No, no one knows this 15th movie exists. Exactly. Um, and yeah. part of it is because because they didn't give out screeners except exactly. to like very, very select people. There's like five reviews on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So, yeah. Whoops. Whoopsie. <laughs> But Whoopsie. 14 reviews on markreviewsmovies.com on Roger Ebert and me, the podcast that's run by Mark and myself, Brett Arnold, at Brett Redacted on Twitter or whatever the fuck it's called nowadays. On this podcast today, we have 10 movies, a very manageable, reasonable, more at well over one movie a day average, <laughs> 10 movies for the week uh, ending today, the Friday, August 18th. Uh, the week beginning that day? I don't know. I'm rambling. But uh, the quick Q&A of the podcast. What is it? I already explained. We're the Siskel and Ebert thing. Why is it called that? You know, it's a play on Siskel and Ebert. It's Roger and me. The title made more sense back when it was a two-pronged podcast where this was the Friday aspect and the Monday aspect was we would rewatch old Siskel and Ebert episodes and reevaluate the movies and see, did Ebert get it right? Did Siskel get it right? Has time you know, been kind to the film. I wish I had more time to do that, but we don't. But keeping up with this uh, is definitely a full-time job in itself. And it's not my full-time job. It is definitely just a hobby. Um, so thank you guys for listening. We are covering 10 movies. Two of them are wide. And the rest of them are various indie movies of various, very small releases, maybe some streaming. Let's just get right into it since there's 10 today. The, the biggest movie of the week I don't think Strays is bigger than Blue Beetle. Am I correct? Yeah, okay. I, who know, uh, This week, I mean, who knows? We'll find out. Yeah, we will find out. Blue Beetle, the, it's a DC movie, which means it's a Warner Brothers movie. It is seems pretty disconnected from the DC universe. Uh, I was going to do a recap of everything, but there's 10 things. Who cares? We're going to get right into it. You've seen the title. You know what we're talking about. Let's talk right. Let's get right into Blue Beetle. Everything right now feels so out of reach. You always land on your feet, bro. You're high man. They don't get out much. <laughs> I just wanna rap. Jenny? I just wanna rap. Going back with your life, but do not open it. You went in to get a shot, and all you brought back was a hamburger. Okay, I don't think it's a burger. You haven't looked? What the hell is that? How did you get it to do that? I think he likes me. Ah! On your back! Get it off! Get it off! Oh. Pardon me. Damn! 
You get the gist. Superhero movie. It is kind of a superhero origin story. I don't know how interested it is in being that. It, it seems like it's more interested in being like just kind of like a family sitcom. It's very silly. It's got a lot of jokes. Um, I'll let Mark lead with what is Blue Beetle? It is yet another superhero origin story at a time. I don't know. You know what? I, I thought I was kind of fed up with the whole multiverse thing. I, I think I'm still more fed up with the superhero origin movie, the formulaic superhero origin story, because I, I, I haven't really enjoyed those Marvel movies, even when they were just sticking to that formula. And now what, what, how, how far are we like 17, almost 20 years? No. When did Iron Man come out? Like 2009? That was the first big one. Yeah, I feel like yeah. 2008. Does that sound right? Or Somewhere is it around. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm terrible. It's been a while, and yeah. we've had a lot of movies since we, I think we've had like a straightforward superhero origin story that hits all of these beats over and over again. And yes. um, yeah, I kind of wish it was the description you gave, which was more like a family sitcom. I really enjoyed the family element. Well, it's like it. the George Lopez show. Let's be clear. Let's be clear yeah. which sitcom it is. I mean I, that one. <laughs> yeah. You know what I, I you know what I kind of liked was at the beginning of the credits, it was with Susan Sarandon and George Lopez. And I wonder like their agents arguing back and forth, like who gets the with credit, who gets the end credit. I was curious about that. That's that's kind of my mindset of this movie, is that I'm I was just sort of bored with it. Well, um, I want to say from the top, I I almost was with it. I was with it from the first line of the movie. I'll say that. You know what the first <laughs> line? Do you remember what the first line was? Yes, I, think I do. It, yeah. It's Susan Sarandon, like, walking and talking, being a villain, immediately established she's a villain, but actually she doesn't, she doesn't really get to do much besides kind of walk and talk and do what I'm saying. But she says, tell me you found the scarab. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Susan Sarandon <laughs> hamming it up looking for the scarab. Uh, and then the rest of the movie isn't as inspiring as that opening line. Um, but cause it, cause it is just like a superhero origin movie. It's all. And like those movies are all like chasing after an orb or something. And this one happens to be a scarab that turns this boy into a superhero, which like that scene in the trailer that's in the movie, it almost plays like, Cron- Cronenbergian horror like it's really gross and weird and the movie doesn't seem interested in that at all like it much rather just be a punchline and silly and the one thing I found shocking about it is it's a superhero origin movie but at the same time it establishes that like the suit and the scarab are like the real thing that is the superhero like it's like the technology that is able to do all this stuff it's like an, it's like an AI essentially that is powering it and doing all the stuff and he has like no arc to speak of for, because of that. It's so confusing to me. It reminded me of a movie I watched when I was a kid, which I don't know if you were reviewing movies yet, but you may have seen it. Probably not because it was a kid's movie that you probably should not have watched. Did you see Star Kid? I don't think so. Yeah, it's this shitty movie. I think it went to theaters, but it was definitely like an HBO staple. But the whole thing was like an alien spacesuit fell to the earth somewhere and this kid put it on and like the whole movie was just like 
POV shots of him inside and the, the suit has an AI and it's doing all these things. He's flying around. It just reminded me of Star Kid, which also like that movie doesn't make him a superhero, which is probably more, you know, I think it's ill-advised to pretend that Blue Beetle is a superhero movie when it's like, it's more of like a guy getting a, getting a super suit movie. And it, it just doesn't, it, would you agree with that characterization? It is. I mean, yeah, it's, it is more comedic than a good, I can't even say that. I mean, that's the thing is that it's doing a lot of the things that all these other superhero movies now are doing too. It's yes. like, and it, there's nothing original about it. There's nothing here that sets blue beetle apart. And well, blue people, beetle is at, almost as old as Superman in the comic books, the character itself, the idea of the character itself, not this right. iteration of blue beetle specifically, but like you have all this time, Clearly, the character hasn't been popular at all. And I'm starting to wonder if the reason that he hasn't crossed over into the mainstream until right now is because it's just not that interesting. There's not really much to this character, at least the way that this movie presents it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what possibly makes this movie unique when we have been inundated with so many superhero movies, so well, many origin stories of superheroes or superhero adjacent characters. I can't figure it out. Well, the company line is, and like what all the think pieces are about, it's like, it's the first uh, Latino superhero. Like, that's what the headlines all say. It's like a representation win situation. And like, that's okay. Like, don't, I feel like I've said this about shitty comedies and like so of the people who made them that like, you know, Latino people deserve their own middling superhero origin movie. Like, is that okay? Like, fine. But you're right. I don't really see the hook besides like, that's really what they're selling it on, which I think leads, which I think proves our point that like, there's not much else going on here. It just like is plug in another character that, you know, into this already established formula. And like they do a good job. I thought the family stuff was kind of endearing and cute enough, but it's surrounded by, you know, a generic superhero movie that very much ends with the most typical two super suit things fighting each other and shooting each other and flying around CGI nonsense. So it doesn't feel that different. And it also feels like so lazy in a lot of ways, like the story, like the way they'll just like the, like the billionaire's daughter girl who ends up being a big part of it. She'll just like wander into a scene and leave and like, they'll just go like pick her up and she happens to be right outside. Like it's just, it was all so lazily thrown together that like I can't imagine any I don't know it doesn't I can't imagine anyone getting too excited about this but I thought the direction like it had energy you know what I mean like it's not like a dour Zack Snydery DC like it kind of I kind of enjoyed that it was like this hyper com comedic and like energetic focus to it but it still didn't work for me <laughs> it still just was was another superhero movie I mean yeah with a, yeah with a character that again. There's no superhero-ness to this guy. He just has a suit that does stuff. And like, I don't even remember what he's supposed to be doing. I feel he's, like he's... Yeah. Oh, no, he's not. He, he's not doing anything. He is having all this stuff done to him because... The, so the plot has him getting this scarab from the big tech company or whatever it is. Like the global conglomerate And like thing. for She's, no reason because he happens to be there for a job interview yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. After what I think is a pretty good second, I think the opening is is nice and you're right. The whole element of the family is really endearing. The whole thing of him coming back from college. He's the first you know yeah. person in his family to go to college. He comes back and his family is you know 
in financial trouble because the rent's going up. They don't know if they're going to be able to save the house. They're trying to figure out how can we just, you know, scrap by a living. I liked that stuff right at the beginning. And then you're right. Shows up for a job interview at this company. The the niece of the of the villain hands him the scarab in a donut box. No, a, a big boy box. Like a not burger box. Actual yeah. technically big boy, but and then yeah, he gets it, and suddenly it's you know he's flying around because the suit you know engulfs him, comes around him, becomes yeah. him, all that stuff. And yeah, the rest of the movie is him being chased by Sarandon and her goons and henchmen and a sort like, of people. I and love as I clearly I love Sarandon. I thought it was silly. Like opening line got me. I'm like, great, Susan Sarandon's here. She's a villain. It didn't deliver on that at all, right? Like she just kind of is a non-entity. It's not like she becomes some supervillain or anything either. She's just kind of like a lady, right? I don't, am I misremembering? Okay. No. no, yeah. She's just, she's barely there, I think. Yeah. It's more her her right-hand muscle, the guy who oh, is yeah. set up to be yes. the exact polar opposite. Yes. All, of the, all of the powers that Blue Beetle has, but he's slightly more powerful and his suit is red. That yeah. way you know he's the bad guy. Um, yeah, I don't, and I also don't, I don't agree with you about the energy of the action mm. sequences. I okay. don't. I think it's a lot of light it's a big light show with a lot of neon blue and red flying around. I was that's really, true. I was really bored with it by that point because I'm like, I know exactly what it's trying to do, and just throwing a bunch of flashy lights in the dark at me isn't. Ooh, I, I, you it's not em. keeping me going. I, yeah, yeah. It has more like Spy Kids energy because it's about like gadgets and tech. As I'm saying, like it doesn't feel like, and like maybe some people would say, well, it's good. It's a superhero movie that doesn't feel like one. But I'm like, no, it just also is kind of lame like all i remember about this movie is susan sarandon and her cohorts saying like it's for the greater good like a hundred times like i feel like they kept saying that it's just so generic it can't beat how generic it is no matter how funny it thinks it is the audience i saw it with mark i don't know about you they were laughing a lot people love the george lopez lines that were literally stuff like Hold on to your frijoles and shit like that. Like that's literally a line from the movie. Some some variation of it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you could argue it's like an offensive portrayal of certain stereotypes or something. But like, and other people are saying it's a representation win. So I don't know what to make of all that. But as a movie, I think it's very underwhelming. Uh, you might get some laughs out of it, but you—it's the most forgettable thing I've seen in a long time. Like I've already forgot large portions of it but i did remember the silly stuff like the the daughter just the billionaire daughter just appearing places and stuff that always made me laugh and she was like she shows up in her car and she's like there for five seconds and goes all right see you later guys it's very silly um not a good movie i'm a two stars on blue beetle i'm less uh one and a half for me i'm yeah like you've had enough of this shit i've i haven't had I haven't had enough of superhero movies in general. I have had enough yeah. of these formulaic, predictable superhero movies that have nothing new to do, nothing new to say, nothing new to explore. And this one, like I said, I don't, I don't think it gives us a character yet, which is too bad because the cast is good. If this becomes like superhero yeah. who is learning the ropes and his family is helping him along the way because he can't quite figure it out. I'm kind of on board with that. That's a nice little twist. Like just an ordinary family just trying to get by and their son just happens to be a superhero. It's like that could be an interesting dynamic. Right. Um, and th- this movie kind of teases that idea, but it doesn't 
really well, come into play. What it does deliver on is the same punchline about the grandma like three times. Like, yeah. Grandma that, was a revolutionary at some point. Yeah, and it keeps hitting the same joke over and over. Like, isn't it funny that a grandma has a gun? Which, like, talk about beating jokes to the ground. Wait a second. We'll talk about strays Ooh, boy. in just a minute. Um, but I think we're ready for it, unless you have anything else to say. About, I don't think uh, so. Yeah, just underwhelmed entirely. Um, yeah. I it looks mean, like it. I, the numbers just came in. If you care, I know you know box office I stuff mean, shouldn't matter. I'm, it doesn't I'm matter. Slightly, with I'm yeah. slightly curious because it's like two movies that are somewhat hyped, but are they going to actually? Is are people going to go see them? I'm slightly curious. Blue Beetle did three point three million in, at thir- on Thursday, and it opened at two p.m., which is earlier than a lot of these movies do, which means it's expected to take in about thirty over the weekend. Which well, that's not great. no, it's about about uh, it's tracking about right where shazam 2 did which we all know did not open very well or do very well or was well regarded at all except mark mark liked it fine i I liked it okay i had issues i was i was arguing with myself that episode if you want to go it was a good one go listen to this shazam fury of the gods episode it's in there uh and strays gross 1.1 where i don't know where that puts it that looks like it'll do uh uh, to expect it to do in the teens so like 13, 14, 15, something like that. Uh, it is, as you said, the dog days of summer here. It's the dog days of summer. There so let's go. get right into it and talk about strays. Here's the trailer. Hi there, uh, big dogs. I'm trying to get home. I know which way that is. Oh, great. Right up my ass. Oh, no, that can't be right. This is Will Ferrell. I'm lost. You're a stray man. You can do anything you want. This beer doesn't taste good, but I like how it's making me feel. This is Jamie Foxx. How are you so this couch. Best sex of my life. Wow. Yeah, she dirty too. Oh, well, I, I can tell. Looks like she hasn't been washed in years. I'll see you later, baby. It was nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really should find my way back home. Any places, landmarks you remember? I remember the devil in the sky. Look at that guy. Burn in hell, mother son of a dumb smile. Those pants. I'm glad I played the green band trailer and not the red band. I feel like the 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 bleeps really let you know that like the whole stick of this movie is can you believe that these little cute dogs are swearing and talking about fucking and talking about this one dog's dick like the whole time and doing like three jokes about it. It is it is I think I call I think I said the same thing about Cocaine Bear, another awful movie, another awful comedy. Um I think I said the same thing in that it's an R-rated movie for babies. Like it is it feels like it's written by a horny 12-year-old. The humor is all for horny 12-year-olds. I don't know how many times I'm supposed to laugh at a dog saying like, "Yeah, I'll fuck your mother." Like that's it that's the movie thinks it's the funniest thing on earth. And like I even read an interview where the director and some other interviewer were joking about it and was like, "That line where Wolf Ferrell, you know, they're saying, like, who's your daddy while they fucking garden gnome or something, while they hump a garden gnome. And he says, hello, I'm your father. And they were laughing in the interview about how funny that was. And the director's like, yeah, that's a joke I'm really proud of. I'm like, I just have, uh, my hands are up, I surrender. This movie's not for me. I couldn't fucking stand it. I was embarrassed to be in the room with adult humans laughing at it. But it was mostly a very somber screening with, like, three to five people laughing and everyone else just kind of sitting there in awe of this three second meme video that turned in, turned itself into a 90 minute movie. Did I, did I miss anything? Um, let's see. No, I'm my big problem with it 
Okay, I have a couple of big problems with it. <laughs> the first one is this is clearly meant to be a satire or a parody of yes. all those talking dog movies. The dogs go on an adventure and they're lost and they have to survive in the wilderness. That's what it's meant to be. It's R rated homeward homeward bound is what it's going for. Yeah. yeah. And there's barely anything in there that gives you a sense of like any kind of specificity of those jokes. There are maybe two jokes. Um that are very specific, and yes. both of them are maybe the best thing in the movie. Um, yes, I know which, which is one unfortunate. You're talking about. One of the them one... is hyper specific to like one yes. movie. Yes, and that is why it works. And they also have like a cameo that ties to that. There's like there's some cleverness going on there. And I would say there's one other part that I laughed at where it's like, uh, Clearly, this whole movie's trying to bring humor out of like the stuff that dogs do that's kind of like unexplainable and weird. Oh, God. But yeah, but there's one that worked, like the one where it's just like I, I have a dog sitting right here sleeping in a circle. And yeah. the thing he does before he sleeps in a circle is he walks in a circle until he's very comfortable and he, it makes no sense. He walks in a circle forwards, he walks in a circle backwards, and then he eventually plops down. And there's a funny joke in the movie about that phenomenon because it's like barely remarked upon. It's just like the dogs are doing it. And Every other joke is, isn't it funny that Jamie Foxx said fuck again? Like, that's it. I can't believe it. Yeah, that is annoying. But those those cute little jokes about, except for, you know, when they're they're swearing at the billboard of the postman and and they're sure. walking around in a circle. That stuff is that stuff would fit in a kid's movie. There's nothing You're offensive right. about yeah. the fact of dogs yeah. hating postal workers. There's nothing yeah. offensive about dogs walking in a circle. Those are cute little observations. What is that doing in this movie? What is all the sappy stuff about Jamie Foxx's dog having an owner and he's very sad about all that? What is that doing in this movie? The movie's trying to satire all these uh, emotional like movies that use dogs as a crutch for emotion. And then it does the same fucking thing. Exactly. That's the big problem. Totally. It is all over the place. You can't. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, aren't these movies cheesy? Aren't these movies awful? And then try to be that cheesy movie. It yeah. is funnier when it's subverting the whole thing. The funniest yeah. joke, I don't want to give it away. I don't mm-hmm. want to give it away. But the funniest joke in this movie brings back a voice from another cheesy dog movie. And it goes through the whole thing. He, the dog is narrating this whole situation. And then yeah. it turns out the situation that you think it is, is completely different. And that's hilarious because it is a specific target of a specific movie. And even if you didn't know that movie, the joke still works because you can see that situation. It's just like this, these humans meeting cute and the dog commenting on it. And then it turns yeah. out to be something else entirely. And that's just a really funny joke. Yeah, that's, it is. It's a really funny joke. I agree. And it works. And the whole thing about him trying to get home and the reason that Will Ferrell's dog is trying to get home. That's also very funny, and I appreciate the fact that it pays off because Will Forte, who plays the owner, is such a jerk in this. He is yeah. just the worst person. Um, that I thought that the big payoff worked, too. There are very specific things this movie could have done, and instead it's going for the easy joke every single time that it can. It's not even that. And yeah, you're right. It's the easy joke. It's the lowest common denominator of joke. It's a base pee poop toddler joke. And like it mistakes being vulgar and vile for being funny. And like I'm not a fucking prude. <laughs> I don't I appreciate dumb movies. It's just like you have to try a little harder than uh isn't dog shit funny. Like it's just unbelievable to me the low effort affair of this all. 
And like, if it's, yeah, there's like, as you said, when it gets specific enough, it can be funny. I think Will Forte really sells the man, the human character. So like it does pay off in a really satisfying way. And you don't feel bad for watching what happens happen. And it does feel funny and allowed to, you're allowed to laugh at it. So like they pulled that off. So I guess my props to them. But for the most part, I found this excruciating and irritating and unbearable and embarrassing. And it felt like it also like from a different time, like 10 years ago or 20 years ago or something like an old school raunchy comedy that's like all raunch, but no humor that actually works. Uh, I'm going to stick with just one star on this, despite there being some jokes I cared about the overall thing. I like, I can't wait to never watch this movie again or ever <laughs> think about it again until the sequel. I, the, I don't, mean, yeah, don't, I'm don't sorry, go don't see go. it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I always no. want to support uh, comedies in theaters. So I do say go see it, but I didn't like it. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I liked it slightly more one and a half again. I, again, you know like, what? I, I think Will Ferrell is very funny. The voice he's doing is perfect. Um, you know, yeah. Will Forte is, the like dog, in a great the way. dog talking mechanisms are very impressive. Like it looks yeah, good. We're it's not convincing. even talking about that. It's like <laughs> it's that part is such a throwaway joke too that they have yeah. the dogs computer animated. I think there's a couple of puppets used at certain points. I yeah. started to feel a little bad for the dogs, which is yeah. probably not great. Like, oh, those poor puppies you know, are in this. <laughs> it made me want to go home and see my dog. So it did it did some good in the world. It made me really appreciate the dog I have, which no, I already did, but like I was like, wow, I get to go home to my dog. That's nice. Um, all right. Let's talk about a bunch of indie stuff. This first one kind of came out of nowhere. I know it played Sundance, but I don't think anyone's heard of it who didn't see it at Sundance. It's called Landscape with Invisible Hand. It's a bad title, but I think it works in context. Um, once you see that the movie's about like this kid who's an artist, you go, oh, it's the name of a painting. Got it. Um, but it's a weird little movie. It's based on a weird little book. It's directed by the guy who did Thoroughbreds with Anya Taylor-Joy and Olivia Cook. Is that who it is? I think that's right. I like that yeah, movie. I think, so, I, yeah. yeah, I think those are both right. I was excited to see this because I like that movie. And the, did it deliver? We'll talk about it. Landscape with Invisible Hand. Here's the very strange teaser. It's only a year. He just wants to be immersed in a human culture. By being your husband? My pretend husband. Do you have to have sex with it? or That is disgusting. It doesn't even have the equipment for that. Welcome home, son. Come give your father a hug. That thing's not my dad. None of us were prepared. Now we just have to adapt. With our technology, humans can enjoy a new era of prosperity. It's not real food. They print it. Do you want me to cut that for you? We would rather live in a cardboard box than be some gooey coffee tables bitch. Take the paddles down! Disrespecting me. I look around the world less of it seems like a place anyone would want to be. At some point it starts being domination. Deep down in there, they have hearts. I know they do. I literally think they don't have circulatory systems, period. Weird movie. Kind of endearing. I feel like it is pretty singular, so I kind of have to give it props for doing something different. I didn't know where it was going. It kept surprising me with story developments. Uh, but I don't know if all those story developments work in its favor because it ends up feeling very busy. And like it's a satire 
with targets that you can't quite make out. Like it's, it's a, it seems to be about capitalism and then it's kind of about class and uh, art and the value of humanity. And like, it just seems like it's juggling a million ideas. And I think it, it, it made me think about a lot of stuff. So like, I think it was successful in evoking those ideas, but I don't know if it hones in on homes in on any one to make it a satisfying watch for most people. I don't know. It's a strange movie. What did you think of it? It is a very strange movie. And I appreciated the fact that it does go that strange. I really appreciated the aliens, especially the design of them. I, you know, if, Tired of superhero origin movies, also tired of aliens that just look like humans and a lot of makeup. These aliens are right. unique. They are a unique creation um, that don't look human at all. They look like pink salmon-colored puppies with gaping mouths and eyes on like tendrils that hover above and can move different ways. They look so... Oh, and they talk with paddles. They have flippers yeah. and they have hardened paddles that they communicate that way. Every time an alien was on screen, I found it funny because there was such a clever design to them. And they clearly thought about how this whole species would function and operate as a society. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm down with this stuff. All the stuff with the humans is bringing up a lot of ideas about capitalism and about living under what turns out to be like an almost private monopoly. Yeah totalitarian society literally that is above everybody else um there are these floating cities that hover above and get in the way of everybody and they dump you know garbage which is like a grand piano yeah <laughs> to, to people's lawns essentially and um i i was interested where it was going um there are a lot of plot threads it's more of an episodic narrative than it is an actual thing with a through line yes and so it's bringing up a lot of ideas not just about all of the thematic stuff, but also in terms of what the story could be. And I, it's too distracting. I think it just kind of just keeps bringing up these different paths that could go down. And in doing that, I think it loses track of what it's trying to say. And so by the end, it does take this very serious turn, I think towards what is unique about humanity. And a lot of it has to do with art. Yeah. And creativity. I, found it, I found it moving. Yeah. That's nice. I think <laughs> I think it's hard to take it that seriously, though, when you have all this funny stuff happening. That whole thing in the trailer with the alien moving in and becoming the yeah. father um, is, you know, like a thing that just happens around, what, the end of the second act or something? Right, it's and we haven't even thing. talked about what I thought was the main part of the plot, which is, like, the two kids getting into yeah. a relationship because the alien species doesn't understand, um, like human love and romance so they're like they watch it like it's a reality show and they and the humans make money off that and so like there's just you're right there's so many different things going on i could see it overwhelming but like i just found that like the absurdness and the silliness of the sci-fi allowed me to like take in all these huge ideas and by the end i was like kind of swept up in the idea of you know capitalism taking over everything and the only thing that separates us and can keep us sane is is our art and stuff like that so like it's like a big ideas it takes big swings um but i feel like it it was effective for me i found it most i was i found it mostly funny always intriguing definitely unpredictable and certainly ambitious in what it's trying to do um yeah 
I thought it was I thought it was good. I mean, I I heart yeah, I don't know if I could come up with a cohesive well, it was about this and it was about that, but it does seem like it's about so many different things that we could have a great conversation about all of those things. Would you want to do that? Um and I think that's a sign of a good movie. And it you're right, it that it did feel like a fresh way into alien invasion and the aliens do look different. Um yeah, I thought it was mostly clever. I think people should seek this out. It's certainly weird. I think it's getting a very limited release and then I'm sure it'll be on Amazon because it's a MGM thing and, and oh, yeah. Amazon owns, owns MGM now. Uh, I thought the score was really good too. Michael Abel's the guy who does um, Jordan Peele stuff. I thought the score was really good. Uh, I, I'm a three, I'm a three out of four, but like it's a strong three, but it's like a, you know, you might not agree three. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. what's funny is you, all those descriptions you were giving that it's, unique and weird and i can't remember all of them everything you were saying i'm like i completely agree with you on those descriptions i'm just not quite as on board with it as you are because of the unfocused nature of the narrative and it trying to make a lot of statements i don't think it needs to bluntly state because the whole the whole story is telling those whole points about capitalism and art just by existing it doesn't need right. to take itself too seriously by the end so i'm a slightly less enthusiastic two and a half but i still think it does have a lot of qualities that are worth um checking out but yeah the two leads are quite. people I, the two kids are people i'd never seen before and they're both good uh it's an interesting movie uh check it out at your own peril coming to amazon soon in theaters now and this um birth rebirth i think is also in theaters now and coming to Shutter soon, or is it on Shutter now? I imagine. I think this one is okay. just limited. Got I think. it. It's an IFC Shutter. Yes, classic. Thing. So you can go see it at the IFC Center in New York, surely, uh, if you happen to live there. Otherwise, you may have to wait for Shutter. Not sure. I think it's around. I think okay. it's around. I, I don't. I think it's more than just New York. I think people should seek it out. I really like this. I watched it twice. I saw it at Sundance in January. Was delighted to watch it again for the pod. I was. I I'm I will say it held up better than I expected. It like I think it was even richer a second time because I was able to pull, notice a couple things I didn't think I noticed the first time. Uh, here is birth rebirth. Your daughter's name. Lila Morales. Maybe she can help another kid out there. You can leave now. Do you remember a little girl who passed away last Friday? They say they don't have her. I'm trying to figure out what to tell the mother. I don't want any trouble. I just need to know what happened. I can't help you. Man, that's a good trailer. It's a really good movie. Really twisted. Yes, the stuff you saw in that trailer is what you thought was happening. Uh, a little girl dies, and a person who works at the morgue, who is sort of this movie's Doctor Frankenstein type figure, uh, you know, brings this girl back to life. It's a very pet cemetery scenario. It's a familiar horror scenario. But the way this movie goes about it, I think, is very unique and very clever. And it's, it has big ideas about motherhood and what it means to like be a woman who is able to bear children. 
I thought it was fascinating and horrific and scary and anchored by two really good performances, Marin Ireland and is it Judy Reyes? I want to call her Carla because I watch Scrubs and she's from Scrubs. Yeah, uh, it's Judy, Judy Reyes. But she is terrific and they're both good. Uh, I'll let you take it away describing it a little further. Yeah, it is th- exactly how you described it. Girl dies, to Marin Ireland's character steals the body, brings it back to life. The mother discovers that that's happening, and then the two of them work together to try to keep this six-year-old reanimated girl alive. What I I really appreciate the fact it goes right for the throat. It just says like this instead of taking a lot of time like doing the setup and creating this mystery. It's just like no, this is what's happening. This is what is going on in the scenario, and the rest of the film is about those two characters grappling with the fact that they have to do a lot of things that are really terrible to keep this girl alive. And both of them want to do it for very different reasons. Yeah. And they both don't like each other for different reasons too, but because of that shared goal, they keep working towards it. And so it is about these ethical conflicts. It's about these conflicts between these two personalities working towards a similar goal. And it is very frightening and horrifying, especially when well, for a couple of reasons. The first reason is how, I don't want to give it away, but how Ireland's character creates this serum Dude. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and the sacrifices that she's making of her own body to be able to do that. Yeah. And then later they bring in a third party who has no clue that this is what's going on. And they're they're messing with her life. Yeah. And it's really, really terrifying. But because you understand these characters, you're like, I understand exactly why they're doing this. But man, that's it, it's very uncomfortable to watch them because you do sympathize with both of them to some extent. But like, you know, the cost of doing this is so high and so horrific that it's, I, yeah, it's really engaging on that level of just yeah. the moral conundrum that's going on here, um, and also the way that it's not a conundrum at all because you're talking about a mother who lost her child and has a chance to have her back, and a woman who is trying to make up for the fact that she failed in her life in some way yeah. um, as a daughter and as a scientist and all that. And you're like, okay, I'm on board with these characters, no matter yeah. what's going on here. And the, yeah, you're right. Ireland and Reyes are both really, really good here. I think Reyes is a, is slightly better, yeah. which is a terrible thing to do. But if we're talking comparisons, Ireland's just playing, you know, aloof and very inward, you know, yeah. interior performance. And yeah. Reyes is doing all of that. Plus juggling this moral dilemma that she has to confront and yeah. how far is she willing to go? Yes. I wasn't prepared just for how clever the movie is about like the, who is the real monster here after all type of like twist that ends up happening maybe. And like, it's actually foreshadowed right up top and it's like a clever subversion. Oh, reversal. Yeah. Like I oh. didn't see that. I don't, I don't think I noticed it the first time. I didn't know. Yeah. No, it's yeah. so it's who directed this. Laura Moss, Laura Moss. Her, it's her debut. And- it's her it's debut. debut. She's terrific. You know, yeah. I there's a yeah. I don't. I can't say anything. There's a gimmick at the very start of this movie that turns, yes. you don't know it's a gimmick. Yes. It just seems like something else entirely. Yeah. And then when you realize, oh, that's what the movie was doing from the very start. Yeah, that's really like, well done. That really kicked it up a notch for me. I'm like, wow, this movie's even more clever than I already thought it was. It's just like a really interesting movie that ultimately is about motherhood and the sacrifices to like the woman's body that they go through. And like it goes about that in such clever ways I never would have thought of. And like really dark and twisted stuff like uh man i don't, I don't want to spoil it either but yeah. when you when you learn how she's make how she's regenerating these bodies you are going to be like 
this movie really fucking went for it. And it doesn't shy away from any of the grittiness of all of that. I, I really liked it. The more I talk about it, the more I want to bump it up to a... Um, I think I'm just going to do it. Why not? This is my show. Three and a half stars for Birth Rebirth. I thought it was really great. A unique original horror movie that's riffing on already existing classics. But like, no one would say this is a Frankenstein remake or anything. It just oh, no. is like no. jumping off point for this story about motherhood and what it means to bear child. <laughs> uh, three and a half for me. Cool. Uh, very strong three for me. Love it. <laughs> All right. Now let's jump to the Tribeca Film Festival, where this movie should be kept for the rest of time. It should not be allowed to circulate outside of it. Uh, this is The Adults. Why are you staying in a hotel? I get a good rate because I travel so much and I like hotel rooms. I told you it was going to be a fast trip. You look good. When did you dye your hair? Uh, a year ago. Okay, I didn't, I didn't really know that. Well, you would have if we'd ever Skyped or FaceTimed or whatever. How are your sisters doing? Rachel living on her own now after mom died. Maggie went to college and then she just suddenly quit. Doesn't Rachel seem a little off to you? She did say she's depressed. Okay, well, I've never seen her depressed. Maybe it's more to do with Nathan. We can track him down. You don't think I would win in a fight against Nathan? Do you know about the party I'm having at my house tomorrow night? You should definitely come. Eric might be leaving. My buddy described this movie as being about, like, the compulsion to do bits. Like, be funny instead of talk about your feelings and stuff like that. And that made me almost appreciate what the movie's going for. Because, like, yeah, you're right. That is what it's about. That's what these people are, you know, the very sarcastic title is The Adults. Because these adults may be not so adult-like, Mark, after all. They may have childlike issues, all this stuff. It just, to me, is such a fucking festival Sundance Tribeca movie about characters that, like, don't really grow or learn anything or <laughs> that, like, you have to hang out with for 90 minutes or two hours. And, like, I just I didn't care about these characters. I couldn't believe that I was forced to listen to their inside jokes that are irrelevant to me, the viewer, and mean something to them. And they just, like, go about it for, like, 20 minutes uh, just random different bits that they do together that are, I don't think they're supposed to be funny. They're supposed to be annoying. And they are. <laughs> and I don't understand why this, I'm supposed to enjoy this movie. I found it to be fairly insufferable. Did you feel that way too? Or did you think it was fine? I thought it was fine. Um, I wouldn't say it, it's good by any stretch, but I got what it was trying to do. And th yeah, that is what it's about. It's, you know, Michael Sarah's character coming home and just trying to avoid the difficult conversation that you know he has drifted apart from his family and doesn't know how to reconnect with them in any way because they, it seems like they were never really connected yeah on any kind of level except hey we can have fun and joke around for reasons something to do with the mother uh the, the problem when you have characters who are this way that they won't talk about what's actually the problems they're actually having is that you never really learn what the problems they were having were. And I think that is a big barrier for this movie. The other big barrier is that it has a perspective that is specifically on Sarah's character. It's about him not talking to his two sisters. It's about him avoiding them to go play poker with people. He barely knows sometimes. Oh, yeah. This is also a movie about being uh, a having a gambling addiction. <laughs> yeah. And I got it because when he's playing poker, 
he feels confident. He feels like he knows what he's doing. And when he's in any, any other situation, he doesn't. It's like, okay, I get it. But the whole time I'm wondering, well, what's going on with the two sisters? There's clearly a lot going on with them too. And because the movie has Sarah's perspective, it doesn't deal with that in any way. They are just there for Sarah's character to learn some things from them at some point. Yeah. Or to, they're just, they're basically um, items in his life, like a poker hand or a poker game. Yeah. Or I'm trying to think, is that it? It's just him. Yeah. yeah. Those are the only two things. It's him with the sisters and him playing poker and then being alone. And that's it. And um, yeah, I think, I think the performances are really good. It's nice to see, you know, Michael Sarah, who played the awkward teenager and young adult for yeah. his entire career, playing a guy that I am convinced like, yeah, you feel like a guy who was awkward your entire life. And now you are an adult with some responsibilities of some kind and you can't figure it out. Like, yeah, that's nice to see. Um, Hannah Gross is really good. Sophia Lillis is really good. They're just, but those two characters are so underwritten and so overshadowed. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it works as the, the, uh, the ensemble drama slash comedy it's trying to be. Yeah. It just felt so pedestrian. Like I couldn't get into any element of it. I'm like, yeah, the poker stuff doesn't really work. This family stuff isn't really doing it for me. I, yeah, I thought the performances were fine, but I really just didn't like these characters. So I just found it to be so grating. And I feel like if it were a comedy, they should have put some jokes in it, maybe. Like that would have helped um, it be funny. That would have been helpful, I think. There's a part where he like pretends, well, he, talks, he like reads the, the, he's recounting the plot of The Lion King as if it were like. What was story. that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like that's what the movie, the movie's jokes are just so bad and not funny. Um, yeah very underwhelming and like i could see why it would be touching if you like think about it as like a movie about you know an awkward family awkward dude trying to yeah avoiding going home but he's there and he doesn't know what to do like i i should relate to this so hard but the movie's so bad at making me relate to these characters that i just like i was like yeah i i everyone reacts correctly around them like when that when she starts singing whatever song at work to that guy and just like, what the fuck? Like, that's how everyone should react to these people. They should be like, these people are fucking weird. We shouldn't stand over here. We should move to the other side of the bar or whatever. It's a weird movie. I didn't like it. I'm going to go one and a half on the adults. Uh, slightly stronger too. Um, yeah, I think, I think parts of it work. I think as a character study, it does exactly what it's meaning to do. I don't know if it's that interesting though. Yeah, and it definitely should be a more of an ensemble piece so that we can better understand these relationships instead of it just what, you know, <laughs> guy who's coming home is feeling. Yeah. I, that's far less interesting than all three siblings dealing with all this stuff in their ways. I love a good mumblecore, but this didn't feel like it was that. It just felt like what people make fun of mumblecores for being, which is like awkward, mumbly, and aimless. <laughs> aimless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, completely aimless, pointless. Uh, yeah, sorry, not a fan. But um, congratulations, it, it came out. It didn't just stay at a film festival forever. All right, let's talk about a Korean film called The Moon. Control speaking. Fill us in and have a new mission is in progress. <laughs> Requesting return to the Halo orbit. 
you said this in your review but everything that can go wrong will go wrong in the moon uh this seemed like something i was i should have enjoyed i love a space movie but it was just so familiar it just like is you can literally call it like korean gravity like that kind of fits i would say it's more korean the martian uh but it's kind of like all these american blockbusters thrown into one it's a space movie with a very big budget that spent most of it on like visual effects that to my eye look quite rubbery and like classic CGI that I think is too CG too noticeably CGI. But I feel like other people are saying it's like, you know, it definitely looks expensive, but I don't, I just personally don't like the look of all CGI. And it's very clearly like every sequence there's no, they're not in front of a real backdrop of, you know, it's all CGI with CGI characters flying around. There's no human element to any of the CGI. So I never really got into the action either. Um, so like the action didn't work for me and the drama just felt so dragged out. It's such a long, boring movie. Um, yeah, I think we can also throw in Apollo 13, fictional Apollo 13 in there. Um, yes. I just realized the meteor shower thing. That's Ad Astra too, right? Yep. The, the chase on the moon. I just that just clicked with me. It is taking a lot of familiar elements, especially in terms of the action and just the basic story. And I, I there are definitely rubbery things when you have humans like getting knocked around by the, the by the um by the spacecraft at the beginning. I could tell those were CG characters, but I think a lot of times yeah. it looks fairly good. All right. I think when it's just them in space and when the meteor shower I think looks really good. Um, there's some stuff, I guess, with the lunar rover that doesn't quite look right, but I think, I think that's competently done in terms of the visual effects enough that like, yeah, like all those movies, all those movies we mentioned have problems. Yeah, like, exactly. It's convincing blockbuster of that. Yeah. On that level, yeah. They all do. Sure. Yeah. The problem is it does focus, I think, too much on these characters' backstories that aren't as interesting as all the action that's happening on screen. Like it's so the astronaut has to deal with the failure of his father. So this is set five years after the first attempt by South Korea to go to the moon. And it was a disaster. It blew up on takeoff basically. And so the two scientists who, you know, who built, who designed the thing were in shame. And so the one astronaut who ends up being stranded is the son of them is the son of that one of those scientists and the other scientist is called back in because he's an expert on how the spacecraft works so he can help fix all the problems that are going on with it. Um, and so the dynamic between the two of them really doesn't play out, actually, now that I think about it. Like, he gives them some instructions, but then they both kind of go off on their own while the astronaut is dealing with the meteor shower and being trapped on the moon and trying to figure out how to get off of the moon and get to the ISS and all this other stuff that's going on. The other, the scientist is just kind of like shoved off to the side. They don't want him there. And so he's like, yeah. Oh, having flashbacks to all the things that happened. Like we don't, I, I didn't need all that stuff. It's explained pretty thoroughly. Yeah. By, it the, has, by the well, beginning. It has like that 
melodrama layer added, right? Yeah. Where it's like there's a father and a son connection, and like this this mission connects to the last one via that, and it yeah, it just becomes so I don't know overdone. Would you say overwrought? Is that a good word for it? Yeah. And then yeah. there's the whole thing the two the two astronauts who are, <laughs> are killed off at the very beginning. They have there's this whole thing going on with them too, so that they need like post credit sequence to clear up the fact that they got i guess they had like you know recognizable actors come in and play those two roles for us that's not you know that big a you know big of a surprise because it wasn't like international movie stars i think they're specifically korean movie stars who were playing them and so there's a bit of a disconnect there like it's not that big of a shock when it just turns out there's one astronaut alive within 20 minutes of the movie um yeah i don't I don't know. I I did appreciate the action. I did appreciate how over the top it gets. It's not, it's not, I don't think much of this is based in science. Um, (laughs) Right. There's some, Neil deGrasse Tyson would hate them. (laughs) Oh man. Oh yeah. Do not show him. Stars of Titanic or do show him because he will be tweeting about it for the next six months. And that will be all that he's doing. I'm sorry. He will be Xing about it. He'll be be posting. Jeez. It's all whatever. Whatever he'll be, he'll be on it for like six months, and yeah. it could be interesting just to see him go through all this stuff. I think that stuff's fun, but man, it does get weighed down by the melodrama way too much. Yeah, uh, yeah, it ultimately added up to like this was a pretty boring sci-fi movie that's an imitation of much better stuff. So I'm gonna give it a two star review. Yeah, two stars sounds fair, and that's where I'm at. Love it. Moving right along, the next movie is a Shutter original. That you can watch on Shutter right now, but I don't think you should, and neither does Mark. But you know, do what you want. We're not going to stop you. Here's the trailer. So you own this place? Yeah. Your grandma left this place to you, not your mom. It doesn't seem that haunted. How many people died here? Not people, women. I love ghosts. Do you think you might be imagining things? You scare me a little. There's a man standing at the door. It's not fucking safe here. We get it. You like The Shining a lot. That's my review of this movie. Goodbye. Moving on. Just kidding. Um, But that's really all I have to say. What do I have to say about this movie? It is very clearly going for a shining type of thing. I think the question it's trying to answer is what if the shining were insufferable, uh, empty allusions to Texas chainsaw, empty allusions to psycho. It just is this empty illusion machine. It's all in service of nothing. Um, I, I feel like it's trying to say stuff, but it is too bad a movie. So I didn't, it doesn't say anything. What did you think? Or did you get yeah. a, did you get a fair read on this? And I'm being an I well, I mean, I don't know what the read I'm supposed to get on it is. It is like a ghost story. It's a it's a a, a serial killer movie going on in the hotel t- too, which I thought was I thought the premise of it on it the surface is kind of interesting, like an empty hotel where there's a killer lurking and stalking these these four friends. Like that's a that's a neat idea because you know, somebody could be around any corner. Yeah, what you if it know. were could a, be hiding in a room? What it's, if it were a family and they were dealing with alcoholism and Jack Nicholson was in it? Do you think that exactly. would work? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I get it. I get that part too because that's <laughs> eventually where it goes, and yeah. I don't think it 
comes close to earning it because it is also trying to be a murder mystery. Like who's the killer among them. And I think it cheats a lot in terms of that. Yeah. Cause, but I can't even say it's cheating. I really think this movie is ashamed to be what it's trying to be. That's the big problem. It doesn't, it doesn't want to be a horror movie. It doesn't want to be the, the ghost story in the hotel because it just comes up occasionally and like two characters can see the ghost. Maybe they can see the ghost or maybe well, yeah. they're having hallucinations. The, the, the kill sequences are cut short specifically. They're cut yes. short. So that you, there was, there was, there were a couple of times I didn't even know what was happening on screen was actually happening because of the supernatural element added to it. And like, okay, was that just a dream or a nightmare or did, is somebody is this taking place some other time? Everything feels so disjointed um, that it never yeah. it never comes together in any way that I could really follow. Yeah, not just the story, but also what the point of it is. All the characters because, are annoying, obnoxious. Yeah, there's not any scares or thrills or tension or haunting moments. <laughs> it's like it feels like it's doing. There's, there's like a mother-daughter relationship thing going on, right? Oh, That's yeah. like not interesting. Everything feels half-assed. It really feels like I don't even know like why like why did a movie that is this cheap looking, like why am I why why did it even get enough of accolade to be on shutter and like getting a splashy debut where they're like they're screening it all over New York? Like why? Why am I watching this? It never answered that for me. Yeah, I don't I don't understand what the thinking there was there. By the end, it it makes zero sense because this is supposed to be, I, I, I'm not going to give away too much, but this is supposed to be like a remote hotel in the middle of nowhere. And there's a scene near the end that takes place somewhere else. You're like, Oh wait. So the whole thing about this hotel being remote and outside of everybody was completely wrong. And there's a key scene where something awful is happening. And there are, it looks like they're, they just filmed it without any care to like clear the, clear the area of right. people just going about their daily lives. And you're like, is this, is this meant to be a metaphor now? Is there is this all happening inside of the person's head? Because why isn't that person walking towards the strip mall noticing what's happening like right. twenty feet away? Yeah, I, there's like there's there's things that are kind of inexcusable in this movie. I um, feel like it's trying to be like this slow burn, but it just doesn't have a payoff. Like it just never it never grabs you, and it just. I found it very irritating. A lot of irritating movies this week for me. Like I keep saying insufferable. I think I said it for about three different movies and I feel it about three different movies. It. Yeah. I have like yeah. no even like, well, at least it did this. I just don't have anything nice to say about it. I thought it was very bad and like a chore to get through, even though it was probably very short. If memory, I think served. it was pretty short. Yeah. I think it was like 80, like 80 minutes and it feels like it's 150. It, is not good. One star for bad things. I would skip it, but it's on Shutter, so the choice is yours. Yeah, that's not, your one star sounds a bit generous because I'm also giving it one star. But you seem to hate it a lot more than wow. I do. I think I does. I do think it has certain things that are interesting in terms of like, like yeah, the long hallways of the hotel are, you know, inherently threatening because you don't know where where anything is. I don't think those suspense sequences pay off in any way, though. So no. it's kind of frustrating. You're right. I, I was too nice. There's yeah half a step. i mean okay there we go <laughs> <laughs> talk to you into it i'm still sticking with one star though all right that's where i'm at fair enough well speaking of one star let's talk about our next movie it's called dark windows <laughs> this is an interesting one i i this one is fun for me because i think mark was like what do you think about this 
And I'm like, as the horror guy, I feel like is why you were asking. Like, did you know about this? And I was like, yeah, I got an email, but it didn't seem up, you know, worth it. But if you're watching it, I'll watch it. So let's do it. And I watched it before you did. And I gave you the warning. I was like, you do not have to get, you do not have to watch this movie. Don't worry. It's terrible. It's not worth your time. And then you did watch it, which I appreciate and respect, but it was so satisfying to see you log the one star review. I was like, yes, I, it would have been really fucked up if you were like four stars. Why did you try to get me not to watch that? Uh, no, we both agree. Here's a trailer. Dark windows. We go for the weekend and eat and drink and swim in the lake. We can't just sit here and cry. We're so sorry for your loss. It's something to do. It's something other than this. Yeah, so thanks. My internet's out. Do you have any service? Nope. Hello? Uh, what is this movie about? I feel like the, the trailer skips the inciting incident. Does it? I mean, I walked yeah. away. I walked away. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the trailer is mostly uh, cobbled together from like stuff that happens in the third act because that's um, what I was getting. The, that's why I said that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the inciting incident is uh, three friends who were involved in a car crash that killed their fourth friend decide to go to one of the friends, families, farmhouses, remote farmhouse, because of course, um, to try to have some fun um after their friend's death and um, yeah you guys need yeah. to like get out of your shell and stop being sad about your friend's death that what you the... may or may not have caused go have a good time yeah go go have some fun we need to have some fun and stop stop being sad that your best friend since childhood died a horrific death why are you so sad two of these characters are i'm gonna use your word insufferable two of these characters are insufferable from the uh, start another they, one god damn they are so Wait. annoying and they are so they're they're just they're just awful people like the one friend is literally saying why are you so sad that your best friend died can't you smile lighten up a bit i want to have some fun and the other one makes sex jokes for like the entire time all three of these people all three of these people were involved in a very bad car crash that was caused by all of them apparently um or at least two of them we don't know we don't know the big th- the big mystery here is how did the friend die and who caused it but and we it's know it's not a mystery it's like teased it's that, not yeah the movie teases you with it and the funniest part about that the movie is just so inept uh, that like the tease of it is so stupid i was like there has to be more to it than just what i've been shown but there isn't like if i were to tell you what the prank is Oh God! <laughs> You'd be like, "What? What do you mean that was the prank? Like that's just murder? Like what are you talking about? <laughs> like that is? I can't wrap my head around this movie thinking like, yeah, they were having a, they were having fun in the car, they were doing pranks. I'm like, no, that's not what you showed me. Like that is not what it depicts. It is, it is a very dumb movie for that reason. And then like it's just trying to do a, you, I, it, it ends up being a knockoff. I know what you did last summer, right? Like that's all it's yeah. trying to do. 
is be like a prank gone wrong you're getting revenge sort of thing so like it just ended up being even dumber than i thought it would be but i really can't get over how laborious and stupid it is about its very basic premise that we'd all follow easily like it just goes about everything so laboriously it just doesn't have anything to do because it's there's nothing original there's not an original bone in this movie's body it just is mass killers seeking revenge in a home invasion scenario that is a i know what you did last summer inspiration thing it is just a mashup of horror shit that ends up feeling like an after school special you know because of like it ends up feeling like uh what's that guy's name on arrested development and that's why you always leave a note <laughs> like that guy. It ends Gene, up. Gene, yeah. There's a Gene Parmesan. It's not Gene Parmesan. No, Gene the, Parmesan. Jay, is Wal- the, okay. Jay Walter Weatherman. Yes. That something it? like that. I know who okay. you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just, it doesn't deliver what you need it to. And like all the scares or the attempts at being a horror movie are what, just like. What scares? I know. It's just like, <laughs> there's a guy back there. There's a guy back there. He's standing there and you can see yeah. him fully. And the characters don't. It does that yeah. like five times. It's all it has. There's a, there's uh, yeah. one part where the guy's sitting in the car and you clearly see someone approaching the car. Yes. You get so close. I'm and then it cuts away. Like I don't I don't know how the guy in the car didn't notice that guy gets really close to yeah. the car, but they cut away. I think I don't even know what the, I think it's just to make you think like, oh, maybe the friend's dead well, now. Did you see the opening? credit title that said none of these characters have peripheral vision i think that was key yeah i missed that i missed that i I missed that in the memorial scene where (laughs) the friend is (laughs) lighten up jeez yeah it's a smile a bit your best friend's dead god (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is so stupid it's a really dumb movie it's not worth any of your time uh one star is generous so but i guess i'll do it yeah one star as well i I mean, yeah, I, I I kind of sympathized with where it went by the end, I guess. Sure. It's about what I'll say, because, like, none of the characters turn out to be worthy of any sympathy. And that's a terrible, terrible setup to have for your movie that is just following them, <laughs> being yeah. stalked. And you're worried about them. Like, I wasn't worried about any of them. Good point. Uh, let's move on to the next movie, or second to last. It is Deadshot, which... I definitely judged based on the title and the poster on Letterboxd, and it was not at all the movie I thought it was. But was it worth my time? Anyway, let's see. Here's a trailer. What is that? Well, you can lose them in the woods. Girl, I'm not leaving you. They're not after me. You are about to be prosecuted for murder. Or come work for me. What's the situation, sir? They are, right? And they've been giving London a taste of the troubles. I could use a dead shot like you. I'd say that's a step up for a man in your position. Of course, Mark Strong shows up in this movie. Um, Tell me what this movie is and what it was about. It is a revenge thriller set during the height of the Troubles, which is all sectarian violence going on in and around Northern Ireland because, you know, British occupation of Northern Ireland, Um, all that stuff and all the violence. And yeah, it is a revenge thriller that has a setup of uh, a IRA agent who's about to retire. He wants to get out of it because his wife is pregnant and about to give birth. She's killed by a British soldier. 
And the British soldier, instead of facing the consequences for that, becomes part of this secretive anti-IRA thing that's going on in London to try to, you know, smoke out IRA, you know, soldiers in in London at the time. Um, you know, all that stuff is going on. And then the man whose wife is killed is trying to get revenge on the soldier. And that's it. And I don't. So it's there are a lot of movies about the troubles, not as many, I think, as we, you know, other moments in history. And I'm kind of intrigued and find it questionable that the whole thing just becomes this thriller. Um, and I obviously had an issue, I think, with the level of sympathy that you have, because I clearly there's a very, very clear reason to sympathize with the husband, the guy who's trying to get revenge. I think there's less of a reason to sympathize with the soldier, even though the movie goes out of its way to put a lot of things on him. It gives him a romance. It gives him the fact that he's one of the few black soldiers in the British army at that time that, and especially in this unit. And so there's that racial element that like, yes, I do understand the struggles he's going through, but also the wife is dead. (laughs) He killed, he killed a pregnant woman for no reason. And it's kind of hard to like have the, the, the scales balanced in terms of the morality and the sympathy of the situation, but yeah, sure. Ignore all that. Ignore all that. I think it is kind of effective as a thriller. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's just because he recently passed because I watched rewatched sorcerer recently, but I got a lot of freaking vibes from this movie. Um, you got the electronic score. You have those long shots that are very much like trying to set up geography. Where are these characters at when a certain action sequence is going on? Yeah. And all the tension being like, just where are people and how are, how is this situation going to play out the process of building up to it? That feels very 1970s thriller broadly, but also a bit freaking specifically. Um, and so I did appreciate the technique of this. I think the big thing is like, is this backdrop the appropriate thing for just a revenge thriller? Yeah, maybe and, I, I hear you. Yeah. And does it, does it quite function of giving us two characters of equal weight that we are rooting for, or at least feel bad about all this stuff happening to them? I'm not sure it pulls that trick off. I agree. It probably doesn't pull that off. Like you're right. I didn't really think about that until now. I'm like, you're right. It is kind of fucked up the imbalance uh but again i give it points for not being the movie i expected to be from the poster which is generic dtv actioner to me it's a more solid even if it is familiar it's a more solid thriller than that with that unique historical backdrop that you're right it doesn't really i don't think it minds it enough you know if it's going to use it but arguably you're right like maybe it's not the right type of backdrop for this type of story but i found it totally compelling and watchable and uh, enough to recommend, but like, you know, it's not a super memorable movie. It just feels like, yeah, it's an, there's been a number of movies about this period. You're right. And there's been a number of movies that are revenge thrillers. So like, it does feel like you're mashing up one generic thing with another in a way, but it worked for the most part. It's surprisingly sturdy. So it's like the most, it's the most reserved three. I I can give probably we're like I like it I recommend it I've already forgotten most of it but it is still a solid little thriller that if you're looking for you know what is it 90 100 minutes or something it's 90 I feel like it was 90 it was really short uh if you need a little 90 minute thriller and maybe you haven't seen a movie about the troubles or you know nothing about you know sectarian violence 
in over in Northern Ireland. Maybe this will work for you because uh, it worked for me for the most part. So I'm I'm sticking with my three. Are you a two and a half? Yeah, I'm at two and a half. I just yeah, I think the I think the, the the scales of justice we'll call them were. But what weighed. about like where it ends? I feel like it ends in a satisfying place. Kind of. If you feel ish. that way, maybe. If, I don't know. Well, no. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think because then you're also bringing up this whole cycle of violence too. The way that it. Yeah, you're right. Going, it's kind of like and it's, cr- it's crass thriller logic more than thoughtful movie logic. Yeah, but it's. It is, but I mean, that's also, I mean, that ending is very much Friedkin, and I think specifically the movie I named, and that's all I'll say. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it was weird watching Sorcerer, you know, shortly yeah. after watching this. And God, you know, that's the best, where the comparison one of the best I'm getting. Movies. So, I love that movie. So good. Anyway, but yeah, I, I think it is a very competent thriller. It's competently written, it's more than competently made, but it just didn't quite register for me. And so, yeah, two and a half, which is what it is not quite a not a recommendation not quite a recommendation it's just right there that's perfect and we might yeah. have this similar conversation about this next movie called madeline collins starring our girl benedetta aka virginie alfira here's the trailer chaque fois c'est la même histoire elle est joyeuse quand tu arrives et bouleversée quand tu repars c'est très dur pour elle tu sais mon cœur je vais travailler je ça s'est bien passé, t'es lituanien Oui, ça va. Ton fils a appelé Je veux dire notre fils. Ah non, quand il m'énerve, c'est que le tien. <rire> je vous embrasse. Je vous aime, tu sais. C'est mon travail, j'ai au téléphone. Tu as dit je vous embrasse fort, je vous aime. Pourquoi tu joues là Tu m'espionnes this movie reminded me of the stepfather who am i here uh it's not quite that level of campy or anything but it's funny it actually pairs nicely mark with deadshot in that it's arguably you could argue one could argue ethically dubious or morally wrong for this to be a thriller in the way that it is just because like it's kind of withholding and like that the re it being withholding is the only reason it's a thriller. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like the movie's not telling you something, but I found it to be very compelling. And you do watch this movie hoping, uh, just waiting to figure out what's going on with this woman. Because why, what is she doing in this movie? That's so, uh, thrilling and engaging and confusing. It is withholding a lot of information. And I was okay with that by the end, mainly because, Afira is so good. She is so good in oh, general fantastic. and specifically in this part. Yeah. And I, I I think she's been great in general, but when you have a character this complicated and this questionable and this by the end doing a lot of things that I was like, why is this movie going in this direction? This feels like sure. it's simplifying the whole thing. I was still on board with it because of her. She has this ability to get to this emotional truth about any character she's playing and it really shines here because this character is living a double life. She's lying in theory to two men and uh, two groups of children about who she is and why she's leaving Switzerland to go to France, but also not telling them she's going to France yes. and why she's going from France to Switzerland, but not saying that she's going. You're there. watching a woman live a double life with two families and just constantly lying about where she's going all the time. Yeah. It's like uncut gems level stressful. Yeah. Yeah. But because 
you could tell like something is going on here. There is something much deeper going on in every moment of a fierce yeah. performance. You're like, I'm on board with this because I know that there is something going on either that is justifiable or it's because there is some core to this character that needs to be fulfilled that I'm, I'm with it. And I didn't yeah. care that it withheld information because the I big agree. reveal here is pretty good. It, it, um, it, it, you know, I don't know if it delivered in like the bombastic way. I hoped it might like some sort of tackier movie would, but it's, you're right. It, it is satisfying and like dramatic enough and it feels real. I think it pulls off what it's trying to do. I'd be like, wow, that, that is what could happen maybe in that situation. Yeah. Yep. And the other thing is I I'm realizing it now it doesn't withhold every piece of information. It does no. dole out little things. They're like, yes. Oh wait, if, no, if the husband just, knows this. It's just confusing he, because of how it gives information. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think it's that confusing. I think it is more just like it is trying to explain certain things about the character. So you do sympathize with her more by the time yes. that the big punch arrives yeah. where you really do. Um, that I thought I'm like, I was curious, like what is, what is there actually a dilemma here or is, you know, I, I was, it is interesting how it does dole out information. It's not like just this big reveal. at the No. End. Yeah. No. Like yeah. you definitely know I, something's going on with that. Her husband or whoever it is she's staying with. You're like, they're talking about this. They're talking yeah. around. They're talking around it in a way where you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? What is this? So yeah, I found it to be very compelling. I love watching Virginia Fira act. She's so good. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's a, we talked about her a few weeks ago with Revoir Paris, which is another good movie. We talked about her a few weeks before that with Other People's Children. Uh, yeah. We talked about her a few weeks before that with Waiting for Bojangles. Like, we're very spoiled. We're getting a lot of Fira content. Um, and that's good because yeah, she's great. She is great. Ever since Ben and Dada, I feel like the floodgates have opened. And I feel like there's probably a million before that. I just wasn't privy to her before that. Yeah. She has a very long IMDb already. Um, yeah, I really like this movie. I thought it was exciting. It was compelling. It was thought provoking. And it's like a little, I don't want to say melodrama, but it definitely has exciting drama to it that I think is compelling. Maybe you could argue it's a melodrama in a way. Um, I thought it was very solid. Three stars for Madeline Collins. Yeah, three stars. I, I feel a little, I sound maybe a bit too enthusiastic about the movie because I do have big problems with where it goes in the third act, but I'm still okay with it. Interesting. Like, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, you have this whole complicated character. There's a lot of things going on, and it kind of turns into just um, very straightforward sort of thriller territory by the end, I think. Sure. And also simplifying that character to her actions and kind of broad breakdown type things going on. I don't want to say exactly what happens, sure. but that sort of thing feels less engaging and less uh complex than the character up until that point but i'm still recommending it three stars definitely if only because if you're so good yeah great performance all right that's it we talked about 10 movies for the week of august 18th we'll be back next week with hopefully less movies but i can't say for sure yet but i think less than 10 maybe not. covered gran turismo already i mean yes that's right gran turismo which remember listeners not out yet. It is not out yet. It is out August 25th. How dare you think it's out? Uh, but you can see it this weekend if you want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we will not be reviewing it the 25th no, because we already reviewed it last week when it also definitely did not come it out. It didn't open. but you Even though may, everybody could go see it last week. You might have seen it, but it's not open. Yeah, it's not open. 
It's not open. Um, all right. Here's Alien Ant Farm. The show starts in one... Shut up. Ush. 